SEP Fanfic Readings presents Draco Malfoy and the Mortifying Ordeal of Being in Love by Is This Self-Care Chapter 11 Draco Malfoy, Oblivious Idiot The dissertation on heat therapy notwithstanding, Draco had little contact with Granger throughout the merry month of May. He and his fellow Aurors were kept occupied by new and exciting criminal behaviors throughout the country— a wizard who had imperious the entirety of a muggle village, and lived as their king, werewolves targeting infants, a theft at Gringotts, a few kidnappings for variety. Mid-May found Draco cleaning up a messy case, a potioner in Sheffield, posing as something called a love psychic, selling love potions to muggles. Draco was in the midst of confiscating a stash and obliviating a muggle when his wand hummed with an alarm at him. That specific alarm signaled that someone was setting off Granger's wards, and not her office or her laboratory, her home. Draco finished up with the muggle briskly, and disapparated to the nearest flu. That took him to the mitre, followed by an apparition to Granger's cottage, wand out and disillusioned. Between his wand's alarm and his arrival, Draco estimated that three minutes had passed. But it was three minutes too late. Whoever had been poking around had left. Draco's revelation spells indicated no human presence nearby, save for Granger's muggle next-door neighbor, who was napping. Draco cast a delicate magic detection spell. His warding around a property glowed brightly under it, but he ignored that in favor of examining the ground around Granger's cottage. He held his wand aloft until he found what he sought, a faintly visible trace in the air, left by a being who had used magic here moments earlier. The faintly glowing trail ended suddenly in the middle of the field behind Granger's cottage, a disapparation, a port key, perhaps. Draco did not like this. It might only have been a curious wizard, or even a thief, but that was the best-case scenario. It might also be a first indicator that someone had their eyes on Granger, and that Shacklebolt's paranoia wasn't for naught. Draco sent a quick note to Granger. Someone set off your wards. We need to talk. When Granger didn't respond immediately, he checked her schedule. She was currently lecturing in Muggle Cambridge. Draco decided to join her there. He was essentially next door anyway. "'I'm coming to you,' he wrote. Still disillusioned, he apparated to Trinity College. Granger's lecture had been on the cusp of ending. Draco only had to wait for ten minutes outside the door of the small classroom. A half-dozen students filed out as he, all but invisible to muggle eyes, slipped through them into the room. The chalkboard indicated that the day's topic had been— Conjugated monoclonal antibodies. Draco was pleased that these antibodies knew their verb tenses, if nothing else. Granger, unaware of his presence, was packing papers, sans wand, into a briefcase. She wore a pinstripe blouse tucked into high-waisted trousers, pieces that Draco wouldn't have immediately thought of as complimentary, and yet, on Granger, the ensemble was rather flattering. As the last student filed out, Granger pulled her jotter out of her pocket— it gave Draco a strange pleasure to watch her flip the jotter open and grow visibly interested when she saw that it was a message from him. She read the note and drew her eyes into a frown. She began to compose a response. Draco supposed he ought to reveal himself, as the responding buzz from his own jotter would soon give him away. He came to stand in front of her and dismissed his disillusionment. Granger gave a kind of gasping shriek, jumped back, and tripped over her chair. Draco caught her by the wrist, preventing an outright tumble. Granger landed awkwardly in the chair. Draco leaned against the desk and said conversationally, "'You know, I wish you'd go for your wand and shriek out a curse, rather than a scream. 
You saw my message? Granger was not ready to talk about the message. His ring told him that her heart was racing. You've just frightened me out of my wits. How long have you been there? Warn me next time. I did warn you that I was coming, said Draco, which was true, but Granger nevertheless looked irascible. I read that message a millisecond before you materialized before me like the bloody bollocksing baron. It's not my fault you were too busy conjugating antibodies. Granger's expression shifted from cross to confused. I... what? Draco jutted his chin towards the chalkboard. Granger observed the chalkboard, processed his comment, raised her forefinger, and said, That's not what that means. Draco cut her off, because he, quite frankly, wasn't interested. I'm here to talk about who is nosing around your cottage, and why. His interruption earned him a scathing glare. Granger took a deep breath, and seemed to quell whatever intemperate urges he had aroused. She folded her hands on the desk in a facsimile of a serenity. Sit, and tell me what happened. Draco sent a coloportus towards the classroom's door. Then he levitated a chair towards them and sat in it across from Granger. Something about this shifted the dynamic between them. He was on the student side of the desk, feeling rather like he was about to be examined. She crossed her arms and waited, her eyes fixed on his face. The weight of the entire attention of the great Granger's brain pressed upon Draco, ready to acquire his information and make meaning of it. "'One of my wards triggered an alarm around the back of your cottage,' said Draco. "'Someone was either testing the warding or attempting a disarming. I got there within minutes, but they'd already left. Nothing from hominem revealio except your neighbor. But I found a magical trace of them.' "'How?' interjected Granger. "'A magical detection spell,' said Draco. "'One of mine.' Granger looked intrigued, but appeared to bracket her question for a later discussion. Draco continued. Based on the size, it was most certainly an adult witch or wizard. I followed the trail to the field behind your house. The individual disapparated or portkeyed out. The trace ended too suddenly for broom travel. Granger clambered to her feet, her wand in her hands. Is the trace still there? I want to see— No. They dissipate quickly. I only saw it because I arrived moments afterwards, and knew the spell. Granger sat back down. And they definitely interacted with the wards. It wasn't just the postie. Obviously it wasn't just the postie. I'm alerted to magical interactions. Otherwise I'd be fielding alarms whenever a robin landed on your wisteria. Might the neighbor have seen something? She was asleep and on the wrong side of your cottage. And if this intruder was worth anything, they were at the very least disillusioned for a jaunt into Muggle Cambridgeshire. Granger's fingers tapped on the desk. You said that apparitions could be traced. Mightn't we track this one? Draco was growing fatigued of being interrogated like a wayward undergraduate, but he supposed he should have expected it from Granger. The rumor, which you did not hear from me, is that the Ministry tracks apparitions on certain individuals of interest. I'm going to have a look, but unless this person has been particularly naughty or interesting, there'll be nothing on the books. "'I wish I'd thought to install cameras at home,' said Granger, looking irritated with herself. "'I've got some at the lab. I'm rectifying that immediately. "'Did you see anything else? Footprints? A bit of fabric?' Draco twitched a sardonic eyebrow at her. "'No, this isn't a muggle film where suspects leave convenient clues. "'Now, if you're quite finished quizzing me, Professor, I have some questions of my own. "'Or should I wait until your office hours?' Granger stiffened visibly at his use of her title. "'Ugh! Don't do that!' "'Don't do what, Professor?' 
That is profoundly unsettling, said Granger. I kind of like it. The professor gave him a black look. You look cross. Are you going to give me detention? asked Draco. This is uni... We don't do detentions. Can we move on to your questions? Draco took special note of Granger's discomfort for the next time he wished to push her buttons. Perhaps he'd send his next jot in the form of an assignment for her to mark. But for now, business. Best case scenario. This was a one-off visit by a wizarding burglar who wanted to make a quick galleon, and was frightened off by your warding. But we are going to proceed as though it is the first contact by a possible hostile party. Have you given anyone a hint recently that you've made a discovery? No, said Granger, squaring her shoulders and looking defences. Ever since Shacklebolt's disproportionate reaction, I've said nothing. The project is entirely self-funded, and has therefore always been under the radar. Hang on, you don't know what a radar is. Always been low profile. I've not mentioned a thing to friends or colleagues. I have several research projects on the go, more than enough to explain away my time. So why now? Why today? I don't know, said Granger. Isn't it your job to work that out? That's what I'm in the process of doing, Professor. For this remark, Draco was rewarded with a glower. The incident occurred all of twenty minutes ago, so if you would give me a moment, rather than interrupting... Granger flared. You're one to talk about interrupting. Who was Lawson? Gonna? How did you... Draco waved Granger's schedule at her. I've developed an unfortunate level of familiarity with your schedule, and he's the only new element in the last fortnight. I met him when... last Thursday. He's the head of a Danish pharmaceutical company. They're developing a new drug delivery system. Nanoparticles. The potential clinical applications are extremely interesting for my field. So he's a muggle? Yes. Drago's fingertips wrapped impatiently on Granger's desk. That wasn't helpful. And you've been a paragon of discretion otherwise. Yes. The aura protecting me doesn't even know anything. Oh, I'm aware of that, as well as his frustrations on that front. Draco's fingers wrapped the desk harder. It makes it that much more difficult to know what the hell I'm protecting you from. From nothing. No one knows. And yet, someone was at your cottage today. Yes, but you said yourself it might very well have been a housebreaker on the prowl. Even as she repeated this supposition, Granger looked sceptical. But why your cottage specifically? I don't know. I don't believe in coincidence. Not when you're involved. Neither do I. Granger looked as troubled as Draco felt about the entire affair. She was bouncing one of her feet under the desk, as she was wont to do when she was irked. Again, Draco was reminded of the annoying swish of a cat's tail. If someone leaked something, and there are people sniffing about, the situation is no longer the same as it was in January, when we were taking precautionary measures. We'll call this a one-off, but another incident like this, Granger, and I'm going to have to know what you're up to. You can bind me with a vow of secrecy if you must. I understand, and I hope there isn't another such incident. I'd rather no one know anything until I'm ready to go public. You'll probably force me into hiding or something equally inordinate. Draco regarded her seriously. If you think I'd force you into hiding, then this thing must be big. It's big, but it's also good. But it will upset some people. The urge to use legitimacy was strong. The big and good thing was at the forefront of Granger's mind at the moment. She wasn't occluding, because at some point in the past few months, she had begun to trust him. In fact, right now... 
Granger was in an utterly unguarded state, her gaze openly meeting his. She awaited his retort or further questioning. He could be in her mind and see the thing before she could occlude, and then he'd know. She'd be furious and never trust him again, but he'd know. Draco, gripping his wand in his pocket, found that he couldn't do it. He told himself that it was because he didn't want to endure the righteously angry shrieking that was sure to follow, and that it had nothing to do whatsoever with the weight of the new trust, with the preciousness of it. Granger ran her hands up and down her arms as though she were cold. "'I find this entire thing disquieting. I don't like it. I really hope it was a stupid burglar.' "'If it wasn't a stupid burglar, well, the baddies now know that you are well protected.' "'Is that good or bad?' Draco shrugged. Both. It'll tell them that you, or the Ministry, are aware of the risks and have taken precautions. That you're being guarded. That might scare them off. Or it might drive them to nastier maneuvers. I was rather thinking of the latter, said Granger, concern drawing her brows together. However, I've got the ring and I've got you. That's something. The unasked-for earnestness there made Draco want to flee the room. Why did she have to inflict such sincerity upon him? He wanted to squirm. And I'm not exactly a defenseless imbecile, continued Granger, shrieking and falling over chairs because of you notwithstanding. And I've got the best warning available for private residences. Well, most private residences. I suppose manners and chateau in the Law Valley are a rather different breed. There are advantages to ancient abodes, said Draco. He wasn't trying to sound smug, it was true. Granger's enumeration of her protective measures seemed to have calmed her, at least, until she recollected something and asked, "'Did you see my cat?' "'No,' said Draco. "'But it wasn't looking. I'm sure the bug is fine.' "'I won't tell him you called him that,' said Granger. "'He's only just stopped hissing when I talked to him about you.' "'You talked to your cat about me?' asked Draco, unsure whether this was deranged behavior or normal for Granger.' He likes to be kept informed. Helps him decide how much fur to make you eat. Tell him I think he's a fine animal. I will. The most impressive specimen of a half-neasel I've ever seen. Granger's mouse quirked into a smile for the first time during this conversation. She rose and resumed piling student papers into her briefcase. I'd better crack on. Draco, too, stood and floated his chair back to its place. What's a love psychic? Watching Granger process non-sequiturs was developing into a new and amusing sub-hobby, under the umbrella of bothering Granger. She stared at him as though she couldn't possibly have heard him correctly. Did you just say a love psychic? Yes. Where on earth did you hear about those? A naughty potioner's been posing as one. What are they? They claim to be able to help lonely people find love through the usual flim-flam. "'Mind-reading, tarot cards, tea leaves. "'They're fraudsters cheating the vulnerable out of money.' "'Well, this one was getting results. "'Magically assisted, mind you.' "'No! Love potions!' "'Yes.' "'For muggles?' "'Yes.' "'It's awful,' said Granger. "'You want to keep an eye on the poor things. "'Potions have vastly different potencies on non-magical populations.' I know. The victims are being checked in on by the Medis for the next fortnight. Good. What potions were they? I've no idea, said Draco, jangling the satchel into which he'd hurriedly stuffed the confiscated stash. Haven't taken inventory yet. Oh, you have them! 
Draco flipped open the satchel. Granger peered in. Contraband! What a thrill! Draco pulled out a few of the dark, unlabeled vials. I reckon the bigger ones are Cupid's brew. The smaller... Amotentia. He popped the cork on one of the vials and held it out to Granger. Does that look mother of pearl to you? Hard to say, said Granger, peering into the dark vial. She passed it under her nose. It doesn't smell like Amotentia. It smells like expensive cologne. What? Give it here, said Draco, and he smelled it too. It didn't smell remotely like cologne to him. It smelled sweet, with notes of coffee and toffee, and afterwards something smoky. Well? asked Granger, a hand on her cocked hip. Are you sure you didn't raid a perfumery? Smells like coffee to me, said Draco. It's Amotentia. Granger sniffed at the vial again. But Amotentia smells like grass cuttings to me. This is a man's eau de toilette. Let's see the sheen. She transfigured one of the papers on the desk into a flat dish, upon which she poured out a measure of the potion. The liquid emerged from the dark vial with a shimmery mother-of-pearl gloss. A faint spiral of steam hissed out of it and made contact with the air, confirming evidence that it was, indeed, Amortentia. Granger stared at it for a longish moment, her arms crossed. "'Well,' she said finally, "'it's Amortentia.' "'When's the last time you smelled Amortentia?' asked Draco. "'Um, that one time in Slughorn's class.' Draco's own memory of his experience of the potion was vague. He recollected the smell of citrus, perhaps. This new version was rather nice. Another breath of it wafted towards him. This time it smelled like the vast sky, sea salt, and a faint trace of something clean-smelling. "'Amotentia is meant to smell like things you find attractive or appealing,' muttered Granger. "'So why?' "'Why what?' "'What happened to my grass-cuttings and new parchment?' asked Granger. She looked accusatory, as though Draco were personally responsible for the change. "'Your taste in men has evolved,' shrugged Draco. "'You can do better than the gardener's assistant, surely.' Granger looked irritated. "'Don't be patronizing. Did yours change?' Draco observed Granger for a moment, judging whether or not she was worthy of this rather private information. "'Perhaps.' "'What was it before?' "'I don't remember. Lemon sweeties or something.' "'And now it's coffee?' "'Yes,' said Draco. "'And toffee.' "'Do you ever stop thinking of food?' "'No.' "'Romance is dead.' "'Preaching to the converted, Granger.' Draco vanished the sample of Amortentia that Granger had poured out. Then he packed the vials back into his satchel. "'I'm going to find a café, and incidentally my soulmate.' "'The café downstairs has a toffee-coffee panna cotta. Perhaps your soulmate is a custard.' "'Show me.' They left the classroom together and walked down the few stories to the ground floor. Granger waved her wand at Draco's chest to hide his aura insignia from view. His black robes did not otherwise elicit second glances in Muggle Cambridge. She led him to the small café. There was a single panna cotta remaining in the window. "'It's a sign,' said Granger. She bought it for him—he hadn't any Muggle money—and a cappuccino for herself. "'Thank you for letting me share this special day with the two of you.' said Granger, placing the dessert in Draco's hands with great solemnity. "'Here's to a lifetime of happiness and love!' Then she handed him a small plastic spoon. "'My wedding gift for the happy couple!' "'Bit sarcastic sometimes,' was Granger. 
They walked out of the building and into the warm May sunshine, Draco eating his soulmate with his spoon, saw his revenge in the form of a strapping young lad cutting the grass. "'Look, Granger, your gardener is trimming the cord. Do you want me to talk to him for you?' "'They're quartz, not quads, and don't—' "'Oi!' said Draco to the strapping lad. "'Do you have a mobile?' "'Uh, yes,' said the gardener. Draco grasped Granger by the shoulders and stood behind her. "'She's a bit shy, but this professor here would like your numbers.' "'My what?' "'You know,' said Draco, mimicking Granger using her muggle device. "'Oh,' said the gardener. "'My number.' Granger knocked Draco's hands down. "'Ignore him,' she said to the gardener. "'He's an imbecile.' The gardener looked confused, yet, to Draco's enormous amusement, hopeful. He eyed Granger up and down. "'Do you want my number, though?' "'No. I'm sorry for disturbing you. Please carry on.' The gardener's face fell. "'All right.' "'You know where to find me if you change your mind, Professor—' "'Granger,' said Draco helpfully. "'That won't be necessary. As I said, this man is an imbecile.' Granger, with a grasp on Draco's elbow that was more of a pinch than anything else, walked them away from the gardener, who looked on in disappointment. Draco, feeling about twelve years old, was snickering to himself. "'Poor man looked frightfully sad, you know.' Granger was apparently too peeved to answer him. "'Gutted, Granger.' "'Oh, hush! Where are we going?' "'To a place where I can separate and get away from you.' There was a shadowy alcove behind some shrubbery that seemed to suit. Granger pulled out her wand, and with a last irritated glance at Draco, disapparated home. Draco, still chortling, dug his spoon into his toffee-coffee thing. That was when he discovered that Granger had transfigured it into flubberworm mucus. "'That fucking witch!' said Draco.